This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Kids left with no water at a theme park? Walmart buying football teams. And a movie to make your summer? That's this week on Boomsies. That was my ode to the murder podcast. It's driving yesterday and I'm like, I haven't listened to one of these uh, crime podcasts in forever. And the first five minutes was all that. This week on Your Mama Killed You and Sliced Your Head Off. I'm Steven Bergenbank. I'm Philip Mijinag. They're all with accents. This is not a murder podcast. This is Bumsy's episode number 22. I'm Dental Tool. I'm Dental Tool. Episode 22, a.k.a. The Jimmy Key episode. Didn't expect that one, did you? Bumsies! This is all about nostalgia. One of the greatest Blue Jays of all time. A lefty whose fastball probably topped out at around 76 miles an hour. Jimmy Key, when he was on the bump, you felt good. Jimmy Key was like a hot bowl of soup on a cold day. He was like a scarf around your neck while you're skiing. He was Blue Jays fans' comfort food. A team needs that. A fan needs that. You can't have Mike Smith 24-7. You need a little Jimmy Key. Different sports, but you get what I'm saying. You need one of those games where you're like, I, I can't take the stress. I just want to have a 4-3 win. Put Jimmy Key in there. We got it. Honorable mention, big one, the recently passed Mike Bossy. Four cups, nine 50-goal seasons, and a Hall of Famer. 22 episodes in. And boy, do we have a lot of corrections after episode 21. Massive ones. I mentioned Jim Pearl, good friend of the podcast. Sent me 
the first ever text that he sent from a cell phone that he just purchased. I wondered why he sent it. He said, Watson, come quickly. I was baffled. See, it turns out Jim Burrow was trying to mimic the first ever telephone call in which Alexander Graham Bell said to his assistant, Mr. Watson, come here, I want you. Hello. (laughs) Mr. Watson, come here, I want you. And then Jim, I, I found this out after having a phone call with him. He said, you guys probably don't know that up there in Canada. I'm like, uh... We have a phone company named after Alexander Graham Bell. I can't remember what the name of that company is, though. I think they went out of business. I think they charged too much for their uh, their long distance. But back in the day, there was a company around. Also, when Rutledge Wood said the floor is lava, smelled like Pompeii, I didn't know what that meant. Pompeii was destroyed by a volcano. I knew that, but when he, when Rutt said it, I thought he meant like pomade, like you use on your hair. I am dumb. I'm not a smart human. I openly admit this. I don't pretend I'm smart. So sometimes uh, I get uh, befuddled. And those are two times I was befuddled. Uh, I have a couple notes as well. Hey, NHL. This is a this is a verbal memo from your old boy Toolsy. When you're thinking of scheduling a 3 p.m. Eastern puck drop on the the first Sunday in June, pull your f-ing head out of your ass, okay? No one wants to watch f-ing hockey at three o'clock on a Sunday in June. Eight o'clock, sure. Seven, sure. But three o'clock, no chance. I talked to 10 people that have watched essentially every second of NHL action during the playoffs. Of those 10 who tuned in to the three o'clock game, Tampa and the New York Rangers on Sunday, zero. Didn't catch a glimpse. Forgot it was on. Did not intend or try to watch it zero hey 9 p.m oh hey 9 p.m <laughs> hey nba uh, a verbal message from your old boy Dulce. 9 p.m starts and go f- yourself i ain't got no time for that so it's nine o'clock then tip off is until like nine twelve. No kids can watch. Stop it. Okay, let's keep it going here. Canada's Wonderland. More like dehydration land. Give the kids some damn water to drink. My oldest daughter and her friends went there. They're like, there's no water. You can't fill up any cups. And if you want a cup, it's $12. Again, I'm getting my information from 14-year-old girls. So I don't know how reliable it is. I said, well, there must be refill stations. There's like, uh, they're like, there's water fountains that were put in the first day the park opened and have never been cleaned. That was the only option. So Canada's Wonderland. Get some water. Just throw it on them on the roller coasters. Do something. 
Hey, slides in the parks during summer. You're too damn hot. We need anti-hot slide protection. That's my Shark Tank idea. A spray, a cover, something. You know how many parks there are in this world? You know how many hot slides there are? Every park that has a slide, if it gets hot, that slide's hot. Scalding, to the touch, burning. And you're sending little Jimmy down in his shorts. Jimmy's like, I don't want to go. Get on there. You get the, the spray on there. You get a cover. You get something. You're protecting little Jimmy. Park slides. Too damn hot. Splash bad water. You're too damn cold. Warm that shit up. We want to cool down. Not go to... Is it Hoth? I think it's Hoth. Uh, we we want to cool down, not go to Hoth. It's an ice planet. Recycle the water. Put it through, run it through a hose on top of the, the earth. But where are you getting that water that's that cold? No water from any tap is as cold as a freaking splash pad. Bottle that water and give it to Wonderland. Get your splash pad water. It's freezing cold. Give that to Wonderland and then get Wonderland water from their old uh, fountains no one uses. Put that through the splash pad because I bet that Wonderland fountain water is hot as hell. Do the old switcheroo. Everyone's fixed. Except the slides, we're still figuring, figuring, we're still figuring that out. Okay, got that out of my system. Felt good. Felt good. Real good. I was also thinking today when I hit the snooze button, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this. And it's not an old alarm clock. You hit the snooze button on your iPhone. I don't know anyone that still uses an alarm clock. I don't trust them. When I hit that uh, iPhone snooze button, in that eight-minute window until the next snooze goes off, I become the Babe Ruth of sleeping. It is the deepest. It is the most intense. Hey, snooze button. Make the rest of our sleep like the in-between snooze button sleep. There's my Shark Tank idea. Number two. That window, though. I am in dreamland. I'm emptying the shelves in dreamland. I'm there so long. They're like, you've been here too long. Get out. I'm like, I've only been here a couple minutes. They're like, well, it doesn't seem like it. You're having a great sleep. I know. And then, meh, meh, meh. I want to snooze all night. Somebody make that happen. Hey, Snooze, you got a, you got a market waiting for you. We need you for more than eight-minute increments. Okay, I, I mentioned off the top in my intro. It is time for Dan's summer movie gold star Boomsy's recommendation. Get a pen out because I, I don't steer you wrong on movie picks because I've never made one on this podcast. 
Chippendale Rescue Rangers is a delight. Rotten Tomatoes agrees, 81%. Andy Samberg, John Mulaney, Seth Rogen, Will Arnett. It is bizarre. Some of it's animated. Some of it's not. Some of it's CGI. Some of it's just real characters. It's hilarious. It's a romp down memory lane. There's so many characters who, who appear and you're like, what the? What, what is going on? Is this real life? I don't know if it was. I laughed out loud several times. Side note, I have never written LOL in a text. I refuse. It's about an hour and a half. Perfect length of time. That is huge, huge in my mind. A movie should not drag on. You should not finish a movie and already formulated how they could have edited it down. At no point did I think during Rescue Rangers, okay, they could have cut this part out or they could have made that shorter. I was actually worried about it ending because I'm like, I don't want it to end. Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, five boomsies out of five. Five out of five. Thanks for kicking off my summer. I will probably watch it again. It was that good. I watched that. Was not able to catch much of the French Open. The time of day, again, I... That's so early. I got things to do. Breakfast to make, coffee, and... uh, uh, Yada, yada, yada. Iga Shaviontek won the women's. And producer Tim has already said, no, (laughs) no, you said that wrong. Nope, that's not how you say it. I looked it up. I saw her say her own name. Iga Shaviontek. Shaviontek won the women's. I saw it from the person herself. Sorry for my chair. It's squeaking a lot today. There we go. I think I fixed it. Her second French title. I caught some of that match, and then I went into the kitchen, do some other stuff, and I came back. It was over. It was done. I think the, uh, the women's final lasted 27 minutes. It was shorter than Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I guarantee that. The 21-year-old now a superstar. She has a 35-match win streak on the go. And I saw a clip of uh, her post-match news conference, and someone asked her about if she wears makeup and dresses up off the court. And I'm just like, has a man ever been asked that? Hey, uh, Raphael Nadal, if you uh, you wear makeup and uh, you get dressed up when you're not uh, not playing, no, you would never ask a man that. Why are you asking Iga? Uh, I mentioned Rafa. He won his 14th French Open title, 22nd Grand Slam. He will go down as maybe the greatest men's tennis player of all time. And our guest this week on Boomsies played against him professionally and he did pretty damn good he is james blake 
James, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Good to see you again. You're, uh, yeah, you say good to see you again because we were on a commercial shoot. They are now airing in Canada where uh, you fire tennis balls by me. I want to point out, because I look really dumb and they're like, Dan, you can't reach any of the balls. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to still try to get them. But you were hitting tennis balls uh, at blazing speeds by me. So thank you for that. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. You did a great job acting like you couldn't get to those. Yeah. I mean, you're a master of your craft. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. Uh, so I wanted to touch upon Rafael Nadal. Yeah. As a retired tennis player and you're watching this guy just continue to win does it get annoying or are we at the stage where we're watching uh, someone that his records will never be broken? Oh, absolutely. I, I love watching it. It's, it's legendary. He's, he's way beyond annoying anyone. It's absolutely legendary status. I, honestly, when I was playing, he wasn't even annoying because he's also uh, such a nice guy. We are so lucky in this era to have not only the greatest players of all time, but some of the greatest ambassadors for our sport. I, I've, my daughters are now uh, 10 and 8, and to watch Rafa, I had them watch, and it's a great example. Look, he's not going to throw his racket. He's not going to get upset. Watch how he turns around and gets excited for every point. Watch how he competes for everything. You know, this is what you want to teach your kids. You want to give them the model of, of someone like Rafa. And, you know, for a second, I want to touch on Casper Ruud, who's also a great role model. Um, and, and was an excellent player and, uh, no, no hanging your head in shame for, for losing even lopsidedly to, uh, to Rafa in the finals of the French open. It was, it was incredible. And, um, 14 slams at one, one venue. I mean, when Pete, when Pete Sampras retired with 14, a lot of people thought that wouldn't be touched. And Rafa's done it just at Roland Garros and has eight others to go with it. It's, it's the kind of stuff that will, that will never be matched in my opinion, in my lifetime. And, it's the kind of stuff that will be sort of water cooler talk for the rest of my life. What, what's more impressive, winning, uh, winning a calendar year Grand Slam or winning 14 and one uh, at one place? You know, those are the kind of conversations that are going to be, you know, going to be had for, for many, many years to come. Here's some water cooler talk. I looked up your career record against Nadal. <laughs> do you know it? I do know it. Yeah. Um, it's three and four. I, I got yes, him the first three times. That's. That's Got respectable. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I—I I wish so. The—I the, I, kind of wish I didn't have uh, get to play him those last couple times. My knee wasn't doing so well, but I had fun playing him. I actually really loved playing him, um, even though obviously he beat me those last few times. It was—it's—it's it's a matchup that for me, there's no pressure because you're playing Rafa Nadal, so there's no there's no shame in losing. But I felt like he lets you get into the point. He's not going to overpower you with a serve. So he lets you get into the to the point to start the rally, and then you have to take chances. You have to be uncomfortable to and have a chance to make him uncomfortable because if he gets set and starts ripping that forehand up to my one-handed backhand, I'm in big trouble. So I have to take some aggressive uh, routes early in points, and to me that's fun. You change your strategy a little, you get a little more aggressive, and you're playing someone that's one of the greats of all time. And I also had the benefit of playing him on hard courts all the time instead of clay. So I, it may have been a totally different story on clay, but I, I feel like my game plan and my style of play would have had to be the same still to play him. And I am, um, and as, as I was saying before, he's also a great sportsman. You know, if, if I, the times I did beat him came up to the net, shook my, shook my hand and said, great job. And impressed said the same thing. Like James played well that, you know, and that's it. And he didn't try to downplay it just because he's a better player than me or, you know, and, and make it, seem like oh he wasn't that into it no he 
And that to me is the greatest competitor. I actually think he's the greatest competitor in just about all of sports because he doesn't shy away from, I gave it my all and I lost today. And that's what I think it really shows someone's character that they're not going to come up with an excuse. They're not going to, um, they're not going to shy away from the fact that there are days when you have your, you don't have your best and you just don't come up uh, as the winner. So three wins, four losses against Nadal mm-hmm. yet against Andy Roddick. Three wins, nine losses. I know you, you played him more because you're both American, but does that, speaking of annoyances, does that yeah. nip at you in retirement yeah, knowing that annoying. you lost nine times to Andy? Yeah, that's definitely more annoying, um, mainly because Andy's such a jerk. And now, <laughs> I'm kidding. He's one, of, he's one of my best friends, so I'm not. I, but it, it is frustrating sometimes when he loses someone that's such a good friend. But um, similarly, he's he was a much better player than me. Um, he's got. I mean, he had he had a different style. I didn't I didn't enjoy playing him as much, um, mainly because he did blow you off the court with his serve. That's one of the best serves of all time. And um, there were times you feel like you could play well. You get to love thirty. You get to love forty. And he aced you three or four times in a row, and you feel like you did nothing wrong. And, and that was a lot more frustrating. But um, Andy, Andy, maybe it would have been better if I'd played him on clay a few more times, uh, as opposed to Rafa, who I wanted to play on the fastest court possible. Andy, I wanted to play uh, probably on the slowest court possible. But um, we had a lot of fun matches, um, especially the ones I won. Those were the fun ones. But um, Andy is uh, another great sportsman, another great, uh, great guy. He actually got a bad rap. Okay, James, we're going to go through all my dumb questions before we to our Canadians on the tour. Um, So bear with me here. Uh, There is another James Blake uh, that's very famous in this world. He is a musician. Have you met him? I have not met him. Um, I did get, I have a very funny story about the fact that we share a name because I I got a job because of of sharing the name with him. I was about a, a year or two out from retiring from the tour and my agent called me to ask me if I wanted to DJ a um, <laughs> uh, a U.S. Open party, um, yeah. and I won't say who it was sponsored by because they're the ones that, that cut the check. But um, they they said, okay, it's this U.S. Open party. It's during the U.S. Open. I'm I'm living in Connecticut at the time, so it's only an hour away. And my thought is they're going to have me come, you know, put on the headphones, schmooze a little bit with the with all the the people that are coming to a U.S. Open party. Okay. Now my agent says, okay, do you have a playlist to send? So sure, I've got to you know, send whatever playlist I have from that I've been working out to. Now I says, are you familiar with this, um, this type of material or this, uh, this hardware, this Samsung something or other? I'm like, no. I'm like, my agent, I'm like, you've known me for 20 years. When have you known me to know like DJ equipment? Like, okay. <laughs> but I don't think, I never put two and two together until I get to the event. We're walking up the stairs, and I said, "Well, you, I know you you worked with Little Wayne, didn't you? You did you did a couple of things collaborate." I said, "Oh my god, they think I'm the same person that made the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open, and also am a Grammy Award winning musician, the <laughs> DJ with this." I go, "Oh no, what what am I going to do?" They luckily, because I said I didn't know the equipment, they sent an apprentice to show me how to use it, and I told her, "I said, okay, here's here's how this is going to work. You cannot show me how to be a DJ in an hour." So what you're going to do is you're going to do all the stuff on the the technical stuff on the on the computer while I sit here with the headphones on and do and kind of do this and, and pretend oh yeah yeah I'm listening and so because they had me they wanted expect me to do like a real DJ set um, and so I, I ended up um, basically faking it with an apprentice doing all the real work. 
And no one was none the wiser. I think that is none the, the wiser with, with her standing there doing all, all the real work and me looking as if I knew what I was doing. <laughs> oh, see, you should book a lot more DJ gigs now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Do you still enjoy opening a new can of tennis balls, the sound and the smell? Yes, I still do love the, especially the smell. Uh, love that. It, it's, uh, I mean, it's basically my childhood. I opened and opened and smelled so many cans of tennis balls. And I, I also uh, feel that I probably inhaled so much of it from when you're a kid, you, you use that as your water bottle. And then you're drinking all of those, uh, whatever chemicals they put in there or whatever that, that smell is, you're drinking it all the time. So somehow, I, there may be an entire generation of tennis players that, you know, goes 10 years too early because they've been drinking too much of the tennis ball fuzz, but <laughs> somehow we all still, we, we've, we're all still here and we've made it. Uh, how many tennis balls do you estimate you've hit over your life? Oh my goodness. Uh, I don't know. I, so I did the math at one point to try to figure out uh, when I read Malcolm Gladwell's um, outliers about the 10,000 hours. And I determined that I had probably practiced on court, um, actual tennis, not just working out or anything else, just actual tennis. I got to 10,000 hours when I was about 19 or 20 years old. So to get, take that to now I'm 42, 22 more years of playing a lot of tennis. I've probably played for probably getting close to 25, 30,000 hours. I don't know how many balls that is to be hit in, in each hour, but uh, you're talking millions. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> um, Favorite venue to play tennis? Uh, the U.S. Open. Uh, Flushing Meadows for me. I was a fan growing up there, and still, to me, that's kind of our mecca. Uh, since Wimbledon's coming up, have you ever had strawberries and cream, which is what Wimbledon's famous for, aside from the yeah, tennis? I have. I'm not a. I'm not a big uh, cream guy, so I just like. I just like to play in strawberries more. More so, maybe I'm not. They're going to revoke my British uh, side of me. I'm half British, so I should love it, but I. Uh, I just like the strawberries. Um, okay. So my rapid fire quasi questions are over. How is Wimbledon as a venue? Um, when you walk on a court, do you get goosebumps? Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty special. Like I said, I'm half, my mom's British born and raised there. Um, so, uh, for me, it was special to have my family there and to have my mom come and watch. And that's something she dreamed of as a kid. You know, you see it, she would just see it on TV and, and for her to be there with her son playing, I, I felt, you know, I felt proud, uh, to be a part of it. And that's kind of like our Augusta, our masters. It's the, the, the crowning gem of our, uh, of our year. And even though I didn't play as well on the grass, um, it still felt extremely special because, you know, the history with those grounds, you know, um, that club, how unique and how, um, um, really how incredible it is that the membership, uh, how, how many people want to be a part of that. And it, it really is the pinnacle of what every kid um, around the world. I mean, I think maybe in the States you want to be at the U S open, but everywhere else around the world, you see Wimbledon as the number one spot you want to be that shows that you're, you're a pro at, you're a pro tennis player and you're at the, the top level. Okay. So it's coming up June 27th. Uh, we have what uh, seven Canadians, four on the men's side, three on the women. Um, okay. I believe they're all going to be there. Is Milos playing? Is he still hurt? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't us... seen him in a while. He's been hurt. Yeah. That that guy's got a hard serve. Big serve. He's one of the toughest I, I faced as well. Um, he was just coming up when I was just towards the end. Uh, we crossed a little, uh, crossed paths a couple times, and it was not fun returning his serve. Um, he had a, 
pretty special where he could kick it way out of, out of the strike zone and then just fire one in 140. Um, and it, it kept you off balance for sure. Yeah. Uh, the Canadians in tennis, we're seeing a big uh, boom here. It's incredible. Um, thank Dan Nestor. Dan Nestor started it all. I think, you know, he was, uh, the one that they all looked up to and saw it was possible. And now you got Shapovalov, FAA, uh, Milos, um, these kids are good. Um, FAA is special. Dennis is, Dennis is, I think, really special talent as well, because I think he's going to, he's going to continue improving because he's going to figure out his game a little more. And he has to, I would say, like, I'm a commentator. I would say don't listen to a lot of the commentators because they're saying he needs to play safer. He needs to do this. He needs to do that. He knows his game and he's going to figure it out on his own. And I want him to to know that, that if his path is a little different than others, that's okay. Um, but he's going to figure it out and he's got too much talent for it to, for it to not show through. And, and uh, FAA is just on a rise, just so steady, so solid, got the monkey off his back to finally get a title um, last year, which is great. And he's gone to, I believe the quarters of at least the round of 16 or quarters of all of the last four slams. Um, so showing that he can play on all surfaces and he can, he can be there in second weeks. It's um, really, really good to see for a nice, both of them really, really nice kids. On the women's side, you got BB. You know, hopefully she stays healthy. When she stays healthy, she's one of the most dangerous players on tour. Um, Layla is just, a, I mean, a, a breath of fresh air to see her uh, competitive spirit, see how hard she fights and competes, and that she didn't have too much of a dip after the unbelievable surge at the U.S. Open. She's still competing hard. She's still doing really well. So, um, you know, sometimes you, you never know when things are going to be good or bad for you. Maybe her losing in the finals is going to end up being good because there's maybe not quite as much pressure on her as there was on Raducanu. Um, and maybe she ends up handling it even better and, and it gets her more prepared for the next wave when she is uh, a true superstar on the, on the grand stage. Um, can we get back to Chapel for a second before we let sure. you go? Can we get McEnroe to talk to him? Because Chapel has got some McEnroe rage within him that he needs <laughs> to control. It just comes yeah. out and you're like, hey, come on, harness that. Harness yeah. that into play. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's, it might take him a little bit longer than some of the others to figure that out, to harness it. And, and for McEnroe, McEnroe was one of a kind to be able to be as angry as he was and to be able to be as um, somewhat volatile as he was towards the umpires and screaming and yelling, but then laser focused on still winning. There's There are not many people that can do that. Most people, that detracts so much from their game. They can't focus. They're thinking about that. He was, he was one of a kind. And um, for Dennis, I think he needs to figure out uh, that productive way of dealing with that emotion. I think there are some players that, um, that just find what works best for them. Andy Roddick, um, our friend, would, would he'd have a running conversation. He'd have a dialogue, and it was still helping him. Um, and you could tell when he was going to play well, when he was that focused, but he was still having that conversation. And for Dennis, he just needs to figure out what, what that's going to take, what, what it looks like for him to have that success. And if that means calming it down a little bit, and that's what keeps him um, sort of under control and playing and focused on his game, maybe that's it. Maybe it's, you know, once just letting loose, just a primal scream, letting go of it, and then being done with it and moving on and focusing on the next one, whatever it is. Uh, I'm not with him 30 weeks out of the year, so I can't say for sure. I, don't, I wouldn't put myself in that position to say that this is what will absolutely work. But I think he, he'll figure it out because he's got a ton of talent. And I think it's just going to take some time. Finally, uh, mentally, is tennis harder 
than people give it credit for because in a team sport, you, you can take a shift off. You can talk to yeah. your, your manager, your coach, but in the biggest moment of your life at a, at a major, you're there by yourself yeah. dealing with everything that's going on. And I don't yeah. think we can fully understand what that's like. I, I completely agree. So tennis, tennis and golf are to me, the two most difficult and you can have a debate, which is, which is tougher mentally because you, you just, in tennis, you can't take that break. You can't have a couple of bad points. You can't do that. It's, it, it's the, the lines are too thin. The margins are too small for you to take any break. And you're right. You got no one to talk to. At least in golf, you've got a caddy. You can talk to it. At yeah. least have someone. You can't talk to anyone out there on court. So it's just you problem solving. That's part of it. That's why it's so difficult. But that's also part of the reason I love it because you, you, uh, your skills as a problem solver come into play and you have to figure out on your own and uh, what to do, what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right. Um, and I love that, but absolutely. It's, it's way tougher mentally than people think, you know, I, my wife has gotten into tennis over the pandemic. And so she started watching it now and she'll watch it. Why do they do that? Why, why did they make that mistake? How could they miss that? I'm like, it's, you know, the quarterfinals, the semifinals of a grand slam. They've never been here before. This is so, this is, this moment is huge for them and they're doing everything. They're trying everything they can. They made a mistake. Like it happens. And then now ev they know everyone is thinking, how could they miss that? And now they have to put that out of their mind and concentrate on the next point. Like everything about this is difficult. So um, I definitely think it's it's underrated in terms of the mental um, strength it takes to be uh, to be successful on tour. And um, I'm glad some people are talking about them having mental issues and, and uh, the mental health side of things. The Naomi Osaka's, Marty Fish's, um, talking about how they've had issues mentally and um, what they can do to combat those. So um, I. I feel like it's um it's being a little more spoken about and it's out there and people are realizing that tennis is as much as it's gotten the rap as the country club sport there's a lot more to it than just uh getting out there in some in some pretty outfits and pretty uniforms and and dancing around on the court it's it's pretty hard i think at one point during each match uh each player should be able to call a timeout and get a hug just <laughs> I, I need a hug right I just need a hug right now. It's a, you can't you can't speak to the person. You can't give them yeah. a coaching tip. Just a hug. That's all they need. Just a hug. That sounds like a good plan. That'll, that'll help a lot of people. <laughs> okay, my friend. I enjoy Wimbledon uh, and enjoy your strawberries. No cream. No cream. Exactly. Thanks a lot, man. It's fun to be here. James Blake. What a gem. You can see, her, see us uh, appearing together on the newest Bet Rivers commercial. Got to, got to play a little tennis with him in between takes. And he told me about something that uh, if, he, if he meets someone at a charity event or something and they say, oh, I, I think I could win a point off you. He says, okay, here's the bet. I bet you won't. And I'll play you with a frying pan. And I said, okay, what size frying pan? A one-egger. And he beats them. He says, it's pretty easy. You just get them on the run. Uh, so that's a bet, and he always uh, bets them for charity. He says, okay, I win this. You donate to, to the charity of my choice and vice versa. So a little neat James Blake bet. Okay, boomsies, newsies. Avs sweep the Oilers, advance to the finals. Sorry, Oilers fans, but man, that was that was an entertaining run. You got us out of our seats. You got us cheering. But the Avalanche, they were just the better team. And the series-winning goal 
came with controversy. They thought it was a high stick. Turns out it wasn't. But the uh, the guys on TNT, Don Koharski, yeah, took it to another level. Yeah, I'm with Jonesy 100% here, guys. This because he picks up the from the high stick or potential high stick and picks it up himself. That has to be above the shoulder. Oh, puck on the stick above the shoulder. Holy, <laughs> the, oh, <sorry. laughs> that's holy a tough one. Sh- just sucks. That's gonna be. That's close. Ah, oh, that's cool. There was also the oh, and then ah, sh- oh. I found some good news for Oilers fans. So the Avs are going to the cup final. Last year, lost in the second round. Previous year, second round. Year before that, second round. Year before that, first round. And then they didn't qualify for three years. Your Oilers' recent history. Lost in the conference final. Then lost in the first round. Then lost in the qualifying round. Then two years without making the playoffs. So that's one, two, three, four. Four playoff uh, appearances. While the Avs, one, two, three, four, four playoff appearances, then they made the cup final. So on their fifth. But I wouldn't even count that loss in the qualifying round for the Oilers. So in two more years, if you're on the same trajectory as the Avs, you're going to the cup final. So some good news. You you need to use the training wheels for a bit. As the guy said after the game, Now everyone on that team, they know what it's like, a playoff run. They know how your body gets destroyed. Can you keep playing those 5-4 games or 6-5 or whatever the the scores were? I don't know. Well, the Avs, they've been able to make it, but they've also had now two sweeps, which is also unreal for your body if you're putting it through that. Um, the Montreal Canadiens hired Marie-Philippe Poulin as part-time player development consultant. Brilliant move. She is a national treasure. Four-time Olympic gold medalist. The Montreal Canadiens are smart people because they also um, solidified the deal for naming Marty St. Louis their 32nd head coach. That was a no-brainer. Walmart's going to buy the Broncos. Well, not the, the, the guy who owns them. Rob Walton. He has a winning bid of $4.5 billion. He is worth 59.1. He's the 22nd richest person in the world. So the family that bought it, Pat Bowden's family, bought it in 1984. Bought the Broncos for $78 million. So, so the, the, the profit on that is $4.4 billion. So investment tips from Toolsy himself, buy an NFL team with your buddies in the eighties and sell it in 2022. You'll make a handsome profit. Oh my God, $4.4 billion profit. Aaron Donald can't quite afford the Broncos, but he is getting a $40 million raise. He's now going to make $31 million a year. The team's like, uh, uh, yeah, we're giving you an extra 40 
on the last three years of your deal. L.A. Rams uh, superstar hinted at maybe retiring after the Super Bowl. That's all you need to do. Hint at retirement. They pay you to stay. So, uh, Bet Rivers, you know, I'm getting long in the tooth. I got to, th- I don't know. I don't know. Retirement might be on the horizon. Roll toolsy. <laughs> My chair's laughing along. Uh, I'm starting to lose it. I'm uh, coasting off fire fumes. There was a little mishap in the, uh, the boomsies lair. We're all good. Everything is good. Uh, Patrice Bergeron won, his, uh, won the Selkie again. Record-breaking fifth time. That is for the most defensive-minded forward. That is an award that wins you respect among your peers. Daryl Sutter wins the Jack Adams Award. 63-year-old wins it for the first time in his 19-year coaching career. He is a treasure. He is amazing in post-game interviews. LeBron James, a billionaire. First active NBA player to become a billionaire. 97% of his fortune comes from profits from Space Jam 2. Didn't know it was such a box office hit. Non-sports related news. Uber revealed their most common and unusual lost and found items. This list, pretty standard. What would you go with first? Phone, camera? Yep. Wallet? course keys yes backpack purse yes vaping devices also in there clothing yeah you miss a lose a sweater or something and ids yes those fall out of your pockets the most uncommon items uber you're trying too hard their first one was tater tots okay that tater tot fell out of someone's meal they it's not lost and found a fingernail Again, something that falls off a human like a strand of hair or fingernail is not lost and found. That's just discarded human stuff. Like around your house, your your skin is always flaking and stuff. You don't lo- you aren't looking for those flakes of skin. Actually, some people probably are. They're probably into that. Grandma's teeth. A painting of a moose. That's made up. An employee of the month plaque. That was producer Tim last month. A brown tortoise. Lies. That's made up. A ball gag and stethoscope. That was producer Tim last Tuesday. So those two we can attest for. The most forgetful cities on the list. Austin. Charlotte. And Houston. Way to go, guys. You really effed up the Uber cars. And uh, I'm not talking about the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. I'm not watching that shit. Hey, good on the Queen. Yeah, you're doing great. I'm just not into the that stuff. Not into the Queen stuff. Queen the band. Yeah, bring it on. All day, every day. 
We will, we will queen you. Okay. Um, before we get into the uh, emails, someone sent us a note on social media. A friend of ours named Jay. J-O. And he said, uh, Dan sounds a lot like a young Jim Carrey. And he said, you should discuss this on this week's Boomsies. Drew Carey. I have not. Oh, did I say Jim Carrey? Sorry, Tim. Thanks for the correction. Drew Carey, not Jim Carrey. He said, Dan sounds like a young Drew Carey, now host of The Price is Right. I have not heard of this clip. Let's check it out and see if it's correct. I'm not, I used to be skinny in high school. I gained a lot of weight since then. I'm kind of chunky now. I've got a little bit of gut. So I'm wearing this big old suit. If I put on a pair of bikini underwear, you know, I look like a Bartlett pair of the rubber band wrapped around the bottom. Okay, I don't hear it. Uh, Tim, Andrew, your thoughts. I don't, I don't it. hear it. At... Okay. They both agree <laughs> at the same time. I zoom not to that. That was the response. Okay, so J-O, you're wrong. Email time. Hey, Dan, still loving the pods. Great work. A couple of podcasts ago, you went on about 20 minutes of how the Toronto Maple Leaf fan base must be devastated from yet another first-round playoff exit. I believe this is six in a row, but who's counting? I think the boys from Man Made Underwear should give each member of the Maple Leaf roster a pair of underwear so they at least have something to feel good about. Who knows? Maybe with the newfound jump in their step, the Leafs might actually win a round. New slogan for man-maids, man-made underwear. Now performing miracles. Cheers, Lonnie. Wow, Lonnie, that's a great one. Sorry, I got a little runny nose here. Hang on. I'm good. I'm good. Hi, Dan. Producer Tim and Z-Money. Hope the email finds you well. Love Boomsies. Long-time listener since the Jan Dan podcast days. Keep up the great work. What is the name of the song at the beginning of the podcast that has the guitar riff? That was Small Town Strip Club. It's coming back, don't worry. Ryan Shepard is the current uh, music that we have at the top. How did the Boomsies... How did the name Boomsies come about for the podcast? We had a producer at Fox by the name of Sean Keegan. He'd always say in our ear, uh, Boomsies! For a big play or a dunk or something. And we'd start using it on air. And then when we were talking about a podcast... I said to him, I'm like, I think I'm going to use Boomsies. He's like, that is great. I love it. So that's where Boomsies came from. How long have you worked with producer Tim? I've worked with producer Tim since 2002. Hey, that's uh, 20 years. Hey, that's a long time. How was your first meeting with producer Tim and Z Money? We refuse, I, I refuse to have meetings. So we jump on um, a f like the, uh, the program that records this and have a little chit chat, but there's no real meetings. Tim tries to turn them into meetings. He's like, okay, I've got a few things on the list here. And they're just dumb. Like, uh, are we recording next Tuesday? Yeah, we record every Tuesday. Okay, I just wanted to check this year. He's got no list. How did you become a Toronto Blue Jays fan? I fell in love with the team. 
1985, when they've won the first pennant. Probably uh, was a little bit of a fan in the lead up to that, but just uh, one of the few things you could watch. Actually, one of the only baseball teams you could watch in Canada at that time, because you aren't getting games from stateside. Although you would get this week in baseball. Oh, that was appointment viewing. Just the theme song alone. I would make sure because you're tough to record a show. I don't think we even had a VCR at that time. So you had to be in front of the TV when that show came on. And I was. I believe it was on uh, Saturday mornings. Maybe. Hello, Dan and the crew. Your story of recovery was an amazing way to start the pod with some humanity everyone can relate to, but not many, sadly, are willing to speak about. So thanks for that. Reading the email address quickly with some form of undiagnosed dyslexia, I thought for a moment the name was Valet Stock. The email address is yeah, let's talk. Y-A, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk at gmail.com. I don't know uh, how many would sign up for that service. But considering some are willing to take a dump in your car, you never know. What a shame the recent storm could ruin a perfect golfing day instead of slamming a tree through your car with no engine, as surely, even if a tree put a scratch on the hood, mayhaps you could parlay that into a write-off with your negotiation tactics. Just wanted to say that yourself and the show is fantastic. And here's a banging slogan for you. Man-made, the right-o tool for the job. Man-made gets so much love on this show, and they aren't even uh, giving underwear at this month. Taking a break for the month of June. They're still selling it. Manmadebrand.com. Cheers from Nova Scotia, Bradley. Thanks, Brad. Hey, Dan, I have to say, you do a very respectable Norm MacDonald impression. Well done. Signed, Rich Little's Ghost. I did a Norm MacDonald impression last week after watching his Netflix special that he taped before he passed away. And uh, I just was doing a... Ah, I can't even do it now. Hey, uh... No. <laughs> Thanks, Chair. Chair's always got my back laughing along. <laughs> hey, Tools, I just received my man-made underwear. And if this is what it's like being a light, fluffy pastry, then sign me up for life. Breathable. Comfortable. Room for special moments. I'm so, so glad to experience my junk being held like your junk. Thanks for you guys and the man-made guys for taking my unit into the penthouse. Big dog Rob. He got his underwear. Morning. Your Norm Anderson joke from episode 21 should be switched to a life motto. I think, uh, I think Tina meant Norm McDonald. Norm Anderson. Played second base for the Orioles. In 86. Sometimes you just need to unplug in order to reset. This is pure genius. Social media and the life goes too fast sometimes. Just unplugging can go a long way to help you reset your mentality. I needed that this morning. I know why I emailed, emailed the... I know I email the show often. Sorry if it's too much. Keep trucking and look forward to next week's episode. Tina. Hey, Ripper. In earlier episodes, you mentioned that you were glad your childhood nickname Ripper didn't stick. Well, at least as a kid, 
that had a much worse childhood nickname that did stick. I'm here to tell you Ripper is not bad at all. What was mine, you ask? Turd. Whenever I was called said nickname, people would immediately assume that I got it because I either got busted dropping a deuce in public or worse in my pants, neither of which were true. As an intellectual youth who wore glasses, my older brother and cousins not only came up with it because it rhymes with nerd, but also came up with a catchy jingle that also repeated at nauseum. Only nerds and turds wear glasses. So yeah, I would have taken Ripper any day. Keep up the great work on the pod. A Sasky fan from vagina. I mean, Regina Curtis. Okay. I'd have to disagree with their little jingle. Only nerds and turds wear glasses. I've never seen a turd wearing glasses. So that's poor turd. Getting. I hope he's had payback on his cousins and his siblings. Hi, Dan. I know you don't go to Tim's as often as anymore. Hey, Dan, I know you don't go to Tim's as often anymore, but I was kind of butthurt to see they did another collab with Bieber and not you this time around for their new French vanilla cold brew. You are just as important as Justin as a Canadian icon, and they would could really use your insight on better tasting products for our mouths. Take care, Dan. Matt, yeah, Justin Bieber has a new cold brew coming out. He does some great acting, by the way. But if you want to fix your freaking lattes, bring tools in. I got you. I got the machine right upstairs. I know where to get it. I know the beans to buy. I got you, Tim Hortons. I will quadruple your latte sales in one year. Guarantee. Bring me on board. Toolsy and the Beebs. Making Timmy's fly again. And I got some menu items to give you too. And some menu items to throw in the garbage. Either way, Timmy's and Toolsy's going to be working together soon. Make sure you uh, like and subscribe wherever you listen and watch this podcast. Make sure you email us at yeah, let's talk. That's ya, let's talk at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, appreciate our guest, James Blake, for making an appearance. And thanks for bearing with me as I got a lot of stuff off my chest today. A lot of things that I think, if they're fixed, will make the world better. Welcome to Boomsies with Dan O'Toozy. Live from Orno in the heart of Ontario. Oh, baby, Boomsies. Yeah.